As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, This Is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. If you're ready to take your game to the next level, who better to lead the way than our own Luke Bogacki? Check out This Is Bracket Racing Elite today. In addition, today's podcast is presented by Racing RVs. Based near Dayton, Ohio, Racing RVs is your source for quality new or used trucks, motorhomes, and trailers. Whether you're buying, selling, or trading, make Racing RVs your first call. Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your hosts, the multi-time world champion, Cool Hand Luke Bogacki, and the golden voice of drag racing, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. Thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day. The Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. Luke, what's up, bud? I'm on the road again, Big Jed. On yes, you are. <laughs> Sing it, son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Coming to your remote from Grand Junction, Colorado. Hmm. Not Grand Junction, close. Colorado. Not real close to Noble, Oklahoma. That's the destination. Or Colburg, Alabama. <laughs> no, not real close to Colburg, Alabama at all. <laughs> Jed, it was good seeing you last week. You, you were trying your best to put on a show with Spring Fling. I know you had a lot on your plate, but it looked like racing was going good, at least in the 50. Well, in the 50, uh, everything else is pretty miserable. Second round exit in every race but the 50. And you know, I did get to nine, which, as you know, that's just close enough that you think you're about to win a 50 grander. and just far enough away that it was still a lot left to do and uh, i come up a little short there with a five red at nine cars but it was a good time it was good to be competitive at a big event and said it was good to see me it was good to see you most of the time but weird to see you part of the time 
as we did the podcast <laughs> from really upstairs in the tower. Yeah, it was, it was just weird. I mean, I don't know. You know, I've been asked probably a hundred times about this podcast and like, well, y'all just video that like on Skype or something. I'm like, no, we don't. We don't video. It's audio only. And the last thing yeah. we want to do is look at one another. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to see each other. And then, my, man, we're sitting in the same room. It was just totally <laughs> weird. But uh, we got through it. It was a good time. Yeah, it was good to see uh, you too. The whole week was a good time. I thought it was great weather, great event. Pete and Kyle and the whole staff, yourself included, always go above and beyond. Not much success on the racetrack for me or my wife, but it was just what the doctor ordered for me in terms of a, a week basically spent with family and friends. And uh, like I say, just a little bit of a recharge of the batteries for me. I had a lot of fun. Awesome. It was a really good time for me as well. And I know we'll be getting together again soon at, uh, at a big show. So looking forward to that as well. But I uh, got a little cleanup work from last week Luke yeah it's actually from two weeks ago a little correction I, I got on yeah, my I got on my uh my high horse like I like I tend to do and just got to talking without uh without doing a lot of research which I do occasionally <laughs> as well I went on and on singing the praises of Todd Piper and what Todd Piper's done is incredible he just recently a couple weeks ago won the NHRA Division 5 bracket finals for the second time in his career I said it was the second time in as many years. I missed a year in there. I think I slept through 2016. Todd won that in 2015, went out to Pomona that season, won the national championship, not in 2016. So apologies to Todd and probably more importantly, apologies to the 2016 champions. That was Glenn Gordon in Division 5 Super Pro and Timmy Smith, who we obviously know won the national championship a year ago. But Todd Piper did win it. This year, and is headed to Pomona to represent D5. So, quick little correction from the Department of Corrections department. <laughs> well done there. And, uh, yeah, as you said, Todd, that's still a heck of an accomplishment either way. But definitely want to give credit to Glenn Gordon and Timmy Smith for what they accomplished in 16 and then make sure we don't take anything away from them. What else on the plate here, Luke? Well, you need to... we used to do a news and notes segment, and we've kind of gotten away from that because in the hour and a half that we record this, we tend to get to everything. But the one um, news item, nugget, that I wanted to uh, throw out there, kind of a teaser because I can't get too much into it. There's going to be a pretty significant announcement at some point in the next week in the world of sportsman drag racing, a new event coming up, I believe, for 2018. Something that's actually been in the works for a little while. I've kind of been on the periphery of hearing about, kind of excited about, actually really excited about. I can't give any more details than that. So it's a complete tease. But <laughs> that's uh, awful. Yeah, just going to whet everybody's appetite a little bit. Be on the lookout, uh, social media, maybe a press release in the coming week or so. I, it's it's a little different idea. I think it's going to get a lot of traction. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Can you say who it's coming from, Luke? Are you comfortable with that? Mm, no. Nah. No, I'll, nope. Okay, I'll, I'll just let everybody sit <laughs> on the edge of their seats with that one. Yeah, right. it's going to be really so. cool. <laughs> going to be really cool. Looking forward to it myself. As per usual, we've got a big show. We'll obviously talk a lot about the Fall Fling Bristol, where you and I both were last weekend. We'll also cover the NHRA National event in St. Louis. We'll rehash Jed our our NHRA pick'em. It's too late. We're not going to redraft. We're not going to. We're going to do anything different. But mm. uh, just kind of want to update, see where we're at, and uh, we got a little bit of unfinished business to settle there too. So we'll get to that as well. Yeah. But as always, let's start things off with the Seabird performance. Who's hot? 
He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. Seabird Performance Who's Hot. In addition to building quality race engines, Seabird Performance is your source for carburetor setup. Whether it's a new, custom calibrated carburetor or a rebuild and calibration of your current carb, Luke Seabird at Seabird Performance has the answer. Call Luke at 785-286-6813. Luke, we got a really hot driver today. <laughs> yes, we do, and we're fortunate to have him on here with us. We had a lot of good nominees this week. Uh, Tyler Wadarzik, Parafinals in St. Louis, a bunch of show-outs at the fling between Joe Gary and Jeremy York and Shane Maddox, but I don't think anybody had quite the week that Troy Williams Jr. had. Troy, st- let's start it off Sunday, uh, what's that, a week and a half ago now, was crowned IHRA Top Dragster World Champion. Um, basically was, was done with his IHRA season. I believe Troy was racing at Huntsville. Um, but the guys that had a chance to yeah. pass him didn't. So he earns that championship. That was Sunday. Two days later, he wins the 32 car dragster shootout at Bristol. Takes home a new race tech dragster. Uh, that was Tuesday. So then three days after that, Friday night, how to cap the week. Let's win a 50 grander. That's a pretty good week. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's a really good week. And as you said, um, we're fortunate to have uh, Troy joining us. Uh, Troy is the $98 million race winner. He's a 1999 B&M World Championship racer. He's now a two-time IHRA World Champ. He won the Moroso five-day three times. He's won the 10-tuck. This guy has won it all, and he's continuing to win it all. And we're very fortunate to have Troy Williams, Jr., Joining us on the phone, T Dub. What's going on, bud? Oh, not much, man. It's great to be on here. Long time listener, first time caller, kind of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, we appreciate you listening. I know you got a lot happening down there at FTI and your personal racing, so it's cool that you feel some time listening to us. And uh, we've talked about you a lot on the show, and it's an absolute pleasure to have you on, especially considering what you got happening recently, man. Congratulations on a phenomenal year. Thanks a lot, man. It means a lot to me that, you know, like the, the calls and text and messages and stuff on Facebook, you know, uh, no matter what I've ever, ever accomplished in my career, the, the social media thing has been unbelievable. And I, I'm sure you and we both know exactly what I'm talking about because, you know, prior to social media, nobody had their ear to the pavement, knew exactly what was going on. But, you know, you can, you come back from winning a major final and you've got, you know, 50, 60, personal yeah. messages, 70 missed text messages, 14 calls. It's like, <laughs> wow, man, you know, Great I used point. to be able to win a 20 grander and nobody knew about it till Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> yeah. Great point. Troy, we, we talked about it a little bit in the open, but walk us through the last week and a half from start to finish. Like what a, I mean, you've had an incredible career, like obviously not surprised when you win anything, but I don't know if you had 10 days quite like that. Like that's, that's pretty, pretty awesome. Start from the beginning. Well, I mean, it was a tough decision for me not to go to Quaker, really, because um, I think Jed even mentioned it on the PA a couple times in Huntsville that, you know, if you're involved in a championship, uh, and especially I, I could have potentially won Hot Rod as well mm-hmm. if I would have went. I mean, it was a tall task, you know, but I mean, there are some hosts on your shows that, that uh, also like to accomplish tall tasks, and I had to win the race to win, and 
but I could have won potentially if I went. Obviously, we don't enter, you can't win. And the DRR is such a good deal, you know, the, mm-hmm. the whole points fund, the $50,000 deal. I mean, you really capitalized on it last year, Luke. So you, you of all people know why not to miss that race. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I felt like that was more important at the time. But, man, you want to talk about nerve-wracking on Sunday. You know, Sunday we're sitting there. And I've got the I've got the ESPN three feed pulled up, and we're sitting there watching. And it's like all all Chris Ferguson had to do was win three rounds. I mean, it doesn't sound like a lot, but you know, ultimately, I mean, winning three rounds of a five round race is a lot, and that's what I kept telling myself. And especially on we were sitting there, absolutely on tens and needles sitting there watching it. And I, you know, when whenever he he, he lost a, a pretty good run first round, and man, I just I can't. I can't, can't tell you how happy I was about it, especially after finishing second so many times in the IHRA points deal. You know, to to win another one was great. Yeah, you were telling yeah, me I'm, a little bit off the air. You, that's your second IHRA World Championship, but more second place finishes than first place finishes. I'd have never guessed that. Oh, by far, yeah. I, I finished. Uh, I finished second in quick rod three times, and second in hot rod in the championship runoff thing just a couple years ago. I mean, it's. Uh, the whole world championship thing has, I mean, granted, I feel, I feel grateful to have won too and won the B and M deal. It was a, actually a much longer drawn out process, you know, and a whole lot of competition back then, as far as, you know, the people that chased it and it being one class instead of so diversified, there was a lot of people that, that, you know, there's 200 people chasing points or, you know, even a hundred that realistically throughout the season showed up every race. It, it's a little more nerve wracking than, <laughs> than a IHRA deal, but, even saying that, I mean, finishing second as many times as I did, man, was really, really disappointing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the great feeling, feeling of accomplishment. Like, it actually, even though I wasn't there and I didn't win, it gave me a lot more confidence going into going into the fling. And I, I feel like it showed. I mean, I, I definitely – there's been races that I've won that I've backed into. And, you know, even though you pick up the check, you're not especially proud at the end of the day. I, I felt like I drove – both of the races I won at Bristol very, very well, you know, and I was really, really proud of it. Yeah, I'd say uh, TWC confidence was not good for the rest of the field at Bristol. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work <laughs> out well for him. <laughs> and it's pretty cool and refreshing to hear that, that you still had some excitement, Troy, after all the times you've won races and championships and events. And to, to hear you as excited about that is really cool. Well, I can tell you right now, if you if you don't get excited about winning a world championship in fifty grand, I I don't know what'll jack you up. And you probably gotta quit. But um, <laughs> yeah, man, I, and and the way that the way that race is, the, the way Kyle and Peter put on that race, I mean, it's a it, it obviously isn't the most money you can race for, but it feels like the biggest stage. You know, I mean, they they do such a good job of promoting it. I mean, with the exception of of the B and M million, the original million, I mean the just any of their races the main event day is exactly that i mean it is the main event day and i mean like what luke did in vegas last year i mean i'm i know he he feels the same way i mean it it is you can win anything i mean it was almost like a bader experience you know i won norwalk uh the national event there and i couldn't even imagine winning any national event that they treated a sportsman racer the way they do under bader at norwalk Mm -hmm. and and it was kind of the same thing at, at that at that level, you know, as far as as far as a bracket program goes. I, it is 
you know, you're on TV, you're interviewed, you're, you know, I mean, it's, it's just a, a lot more than you get out of most bracket races. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So you, Troy, I'm sorry, let, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you come into that, that first event at Bristol, the Tuesday race, riding the high, you're less than 48 hours removed from winning the world championship. You said you drove awesome, um, knocked off Shane Maddox in the final. Was there any key round along the way on Tuesday or any, any high point that our listeners should hear about? <laughs> well, honestly, true start would have saved me anyway. But uh, the funny thing is, is I was double one twice, and Jason Rich always gives me a real hard time. Well, along with numerous other people, but he gives me a real hard time about going close red a lot. And uh, he asked me what I was putting in from the last double one, and I I told him I was putting in one thou, and he reached in my reached in my car and put in another one. <laughs> and I said, "I'll leave it, I'll leave it." And, and I and I was perfect, but the guy was seven red behind me. But. <laughs> Yeah, he, he yeah. had a foul to make me perfect. No joke. <laughs> that was for the final? Thanks, or? Jay Rich. That was, the, that was the semifinals, which actually gave me lane choice for the finals, which, you know, potentially could have been key. You know, you, you never you never know what would happen if we'd have been in another lane. Right. No, that's interesting. That's actually one of the questions that I had for you, because you have that reputation as, like, probably being more aggressive on the starting line over the course of your career than anyone I could name. Um, obviously it has suited you well. And it's one thing that I say a lot in our schools and on this is bracket racing elite that like aggressiveness is a good thing. Like, can you kind of put to words your starting line mindset? And obviously it turns you red more than most, but obviously you feel mm -hmm. like it benefits you because you keep setting up that type. I just think that racing so tight now and you lose by most people's mindset when they're looking at their belly boxes, we're not going to lose 5,000. And granted, in index racing, I mean, I'm sure you notice I don't go red anywhere near as much in index race than in any kind of index racing, or for that matter, any kind of race that's spread out over numerous days, and I do a, a late-round bracket race. And the reason being, in my mind, you've got to put down a great run to win. So I've all, I'm always aggressive at the finish line. I'm normally holding or got the potential to at least run my dial in, if not under... And I've got a 400-horse nitrous kit that guarantees I can go under at any time. So I think getting a start line advantage is normally huge. I was and, about to say, I've run you a few yeah. times where you weren't going under when you staged, but that got changed <laughs> up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And in and, and the finals against Shane, it was exactly that. I mean, I could I could not run within a hundredth of my dial when we left. And then about half track, I was like, whoa, i got to get up here. <laughs> so, you know... Sprayed up to what I thought would be under and then killed a little bit. And, and fortunately, it worked out. I mean, he, he ended up a thou ahead, but, you know, it was, it, it just worked. It worked out is all I could say about it. I mean, I'm definitely not going to sit here and say, oh, that's the way I planned it or, or that's what I was trying to do. But I was, I was trying to be good up front and load that on. And I had it, I, I, in my head, I thought I was a little better than I was on the tree. And if I was dead on or maybe even a little under, there was no way he could win in front of me, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no Troy, most ahead. of our listeners are familiar. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Luke. No, no, I, I've interrupted you enough, Jed. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> most of our listeners, Troy, are familiar with your major accomplishments. Obviously, we talked about it in your intro. Uh, I mean, a former million-dollar winner, and you know, you've won everything that the guy can win. Basically, uh, tell us a little bit about your career before the big wins and the championships. The the Troy Williams Jr. that everybody doesn't know how it all started, kind of stuff. 
I mean, I've been around racing, I've been around racing my entire life. Um, I never remember not being at a racetrack of some sort. Whenever one of my first memories is being at double track and my dad getting in a huge, huge fight over a wreck and putting my mom and I in a truck and fighting everybody outside. And then we take off. And I, I remember her yelling and screaming that we're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to do this anymore, blah, blah, blah. And then in my mind, I'm sure it was months or maybe even a year later, but in my mind, it would seem instantly we were at the drag strip and <laughs> started drag racing at that point. And, uh, my mom started working at the racetrack in 77 or 78, I would guess something like that. Cause I was five or six years old and, uh, my dad was drag racing and we never, I mean, he was the, the thing that you don't get nowadays, just a dedicated local racer. I mean, I think he had, I would guess 15 to 20 years, perfect attendance at Brayton. Like never missed a Saturday night, you know, and that's how I grew up just racing out there. And I was keeping a sportsman car in line for him one time. And it's actually my first pass ever. And I was keeping a sportsman car in line for him. And he just, whatever, for whatever reason, he ran the super pro car and I was keeping the car in line and he didn't show up. So I ran third round was my <laughs> first ever run. And, and there's a, there, there's a great racer from Florida, Chip Rollins. He's probably 80 plus now. And he still races and still does well. He beat the crap. <laughs> Tommy caught me early and I, and I caught me early and was rolling me through. And I was, didn't have any idea what to do other than, you know, hit the brakes and go way over for the loss. But yeah. And so after that, so after that, my dad actually start, started letting me race. He was like, Oh, I mean, if they didn't say nothing about that here, you can start racing. So I started racing when I was basically 15 in a sportsman car. And so it begins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and then, yeah, you know, catching all, catching all the flack from my mom and dad, actually, my mom and dad actually took over to Lisa Braden for several years. And, uh, you know, I moved out when I was 18 years old and I really, I drove for other people. I drove for Ed Richardson and that was Ronnie Spone and, and some other people that, had really absolutely nothing to do with my parents, but we still got all kinds of flack about me racing there and, and this and that because I did pretty well locally. But finally, uh, Kenny Underwood basically convinced me to take the show on the road, and I traveled around. I actually just followed him around for the early part of my career. And, you know, any big money race that he was going to and whose ever house we had to stay at and cut their grass or, you know, <laughs> hang out on <laughs> hang out at the pool while they were at work, that's what we did, you know, and, that was that was that was the early life of touring racer back then, you know. What was your breakthrough win, Troy? Man, believe it or not, I I I don't think I can put anything first. You know what I mean? As far as that early on, because Scotty and Edmund gave me a great opportunity when I was really young to drive one of the Slick Fifty cars at the Braden Five Day, and I finished second in the overall points, like I did. I tried championship numerous times, but, um, and drove really well. And I think them letting me just sit in that car made pretty much anybody else that I was around, you know, give me the opportunity to drive their stuff. But one of the first times I ever traveled, I won one of the $10,000 races at Piedmont. But back then I was so dumb that I truly believed that I wasn't supposed to lose, you know, like a lot of the kids you see leave their local track that, you know, they got all the confidence in the world because they beat 
everybody on a Saturday night, but then they show up at a race with 400 cars. I, I just, back then I didn't know any better and it showed, you know, and, um, I would say, yeah, I, I mean, obviously one in the million was, I quoted Richardson. He said, that puts you on the map. That puts you on the map because it was so hard for a bracket racer to get sponsored, to get any help. And I, I may be wrong. I have no idea. Um, but I really believe I, at, and then Luke could probably tell you more about this than I could. I, I feel like I was probably one of the more supported, one of the more sponsored bracket racers that really didn't do anything else. I mean, I really didn't run ITRA or NHRA. I had won an ITRA national event because it was at Braden and we could stutter and Kenny talked me into running it. You know, that was the only reason I, I actually left. I left still in on Friday to go to St. Pete to race and almost didn't even make around Saturday because I slept too long. <laughs> but that's how little I cared about it. You know, it was like, man, oh, it's, it's a, to me, it was a $2,000 to win race. It wasn't a big deal, you know, but, uh, getting, getting the notoriety from the million and, and winning Moroso. And, and that was, Moroso was the crown jewel that night. I mean, it was, it, you know, there's people that grow up wanting to win Indy and, and that is, that's their thing. I mean, if they grew up running in HRA or whatever, and I'm not going to say I don't want to win Indy, and it's only because of the participation I've had in NHRA in the later years of my career, not early on. Early on, I truthfully could have cared less about most any national event. Now I care a lot more, but um, back then I just the Tintuck, the Braden Five Day, and the Moroso Five Day is what I wanted to do because I was a bracket racer. Yeah, and actually having those companies step up, and you know Barry Grant was one of the first companies that ever helped me, and you know, having enjoying the support that I've had in racing sponsorship wise, I I feel was huge. You know, because no bracket racer really got that. Sure. I'm switch gears on you just a little bit, Troy. I would assume most of our listeners know that uh, that you're an employee at FTI. Uh, been there for mm-hmm. how long? Have you been there now, Troy? Been a while. Uh, I started there. Yeah, I started there in 2011. Okay, so going on six, six years. Six years. Take us through mm-hmm. a little bit behind the scenes of the last, what, month there at FTI as the hurricane came through and all that you guys have had to deal with in the time since. Well, I mean, fortunately for me personally, I planned on going to Memphis anyway, and the time frame worked out. Like, we ended up closing the shop Thursday and Friday, and I was leaving Wednesday night anyway, which I, if you, you know me, Luke, I think if, I think if you get, you know, hurt or killed by a hurricane you're not nah, your listeners should probably be mad at me but probably one of the more ignorant people people in the world because they tell you it's coming for a week you should leave <laughs> you know i mean it, it doesn't sneak up on you it's not like a tornado or a bolt of lightning i mean they tell you it's coming for a week so leave but i got out of there they ended up we ended up closing the shop thursday friday um which obviously isn't good for business because the rest of the world don't really care that you have a hurricane or don't really know. Right. You know, they're calling a shop and we're not answering. They're listening to a voicemail going, Oh, you know, hurricanes coming, we're closed down. And then we didn't have power the first part of the week, Monday, Tuesday. So, I mean, we were basically, you know, a week shut down and the whole thing about this business, uh, you know, FCI is, customer service. I want to be able to supply my customer with what they want when they want it. I mean, 
I, I think there's a ton of companies in this industry that deliver great products. And the only thing that separates us from anyone else is our dedication to racing and the fact that we're racers and we're going to get you something when you need it. If you call and say, if this is Wednesday and you say, I need it on Friday and I know that you're going racing or whoever, Justin or whoever answers the phone knows that you need it to go racing. We're going to make it happen. We're going to next, we're going to build it next day. It to you. You're going to have it. And that really put a cramp on our style. I mean, I mean, we were, we were behind eight ball for a week. I mean, when you move the, we, we do 30, 40 UPS shipments a day. And, I would say six to seven pallet shipments a day and to miss a whole week of work. I mean, it's been, it's been tough catching up for sure. As far as actual damage outside of having the power shut off, things like that, do you guys get through it pretty well unscathed? Absolutely. The, the, uh, the building, the business, everything did fine. I mean, Greg, the owner's house, Greg Samuel, um, his house was without power for probably about a week. And Justin and Scott, like, two of the main guys there, the, the head of my converter department and the head of the transmission department. Um, and Justin does a ton of sales and everything on the phone constantly with me. Um, those guys were, they were without power for quite a while. You know, they were basically camping, cooking out on the grill with a generator type thing. But yeah, I mean, all in all, we just had a hurricane over here last year. So a, a lot of the, you know, loose debris trees that were going to fall down that, that all happened last year during Matthew. So, mm-hmm. Um, I think this storm was probably actually worse looking at, you know, this, the damage around here, but, um, the actual impact on the area, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as it could have been for sure. That's good to hear, Troy. Glad you guys got through it. Now, I know you, your customers need you bad, but I'm sure they understood and, um, were very patient. Hopefully they were, and I know you guys working hard to deliver good results for them. So great to hear you get through it just fine. But, Troy, what's, uh, I mean, coming off a season like you're having and, and obviously still a lot left to do, a lot of great racing left, uh, what's next for you? What, what, uh, where you, where you headed from there? Well, we're definitely going to run the million dollar race. We're going to run the, uh, SFG race over in Darlington. And then I'll probably just finish up with the basically local stuff to me, you know, Braden and, um, Palm, or not Palm Beach, Palm Beach cancels every time I turn around. But uh, Amokley's Elite 150. I'll probably go run it. And that'll be it for the year. And then we got the SEMA show and PRI show and regroup and get ready for next year. Sound like still a lot on your plate. Yeah, we got a lot of potential to make some money, that's for sure. Deal. Well, Troy, if, if you're a, an avid listener of the podcast, you know that we like to finish out these interviews with a little bit of rapid fire. Try to have a little bit of fun. It's not always racing related. Fairly quick questions, fairly quick answers. You good with that? Yes, sir. All right. I think I know the answer to this one, but I want to hear it from you. Biggest single influence on your racing career? Wow. That's tough, man. As a person, Honestly, right? <laughs> Um, my father for sure, uh, got me into the sport and made me realize the dedication it took and the, the drive to win. Cool. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this in Troy, a better racer, you or a guy that shares your name, G-Dub, your last name anyway. I tell you what, man, if anybody wants to argue that fact, 
um, all I can tell you is ask Luke what his record is in finals over 50,000 or even over 30,000. Um, if you go over 30,000, I think his record in the finals is nine and oh. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Honest to God, my, my true opinion, I'm better day in, day out as, as a solid driver, but Gary can get to a level that very few people can reach. That's yeah. I knew you was going to say that. that that's exactly where I was going to go. Like Gary's good is better than anybody's good. Like when he's at that level. Um, <laughs> but like you say, I, I think from on a consistent basis, certainly over the course of what the last 25 years, it, it would put your resume up against anyone's. So um, I know yeah. that uh, when you are not behind the wheel of a, of a drag car, one of your, favorite places to be is uh, at a seat at the casino or dog track or yes, card table. Um, curious, and I, I don't yeah. know how specific you want to get here, but biggest gambling debt slash win? Actually, it was last year at the, the Vegas Million. Um, I went with Jason Rich to a blackjack table, and I, I kept telling him, I'm like, man, you know, my biggest win prior to that was probably $5,000, you know, three to 5000 but you know, I'll buy in for 500 and through the course of the night on a, on a terrible night, I'll lose 1500 on, you know, on a good night, I'll win two, 3000, but then I walk away and he told me, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to put it all down and we're going to gamble. And I walked away $15,500 winner in Vegas. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. I was, I was like, I gotta go with you more often. <laughs> I'm gonna end up, I'm gonna end up in the poorhouse if I do that. But we're gonna keep doing it until it loses. <laughs> Troy, you you got in the car and started racing when you were 15, and I I think we're about the same age now, mid to upper 40s. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how old you are, but it's been a long time. If you wasn't racing, or you're if you wasn't a racer, you're doing what? Wow, man. Um, I, I've always, I, you know, given the path I chose in life, I've always had people criticize what I've done as far as never taking a normal road. Cause I've always just raced and, and been involved in it. And I've always said I would do sales and marketing of some kind. And, and I think I would probably, no matter what, be involved in some sort of sales. You know, I, I don't, I don't really have a lot of passions as far as any other sport or, or anything you know, is that I would really rather do than be in a race car um, of any kind. I mean, I, I've been to the middle of driving school. I love, I love all forms of racing, not just drag racing. It just so happens drag racing is at the lower levels can, can make this only, it's the only lower level form of racing that you can make money or, or I think maybe sport of any kind. I'm not, I don't know enough about them to say that, I guess, but um, yeah, I, I would probably have just done sales and, kind of went the normal path, you know? Troy, I know that you love being behind the wheel. I know that um, you've got and made friends, both racing-related and non-racing-related, all across the country, maybe all across the world. Um, And, like, just being around you for as long as I have, like, you tend to have a good time no matter what you're doing. But if you could, and I know this is pretty vague, like, what would Troy Williams' perfect day consist of? Well, obviously it'd be at the racetrack. Um, <laughs> the race wouldn't start to probably noon. 
<laughs> um, you know, I, I definitely am not into the eight o'clock start like in Bristol, but yeah, I, I would say, you know, get up in the morning, go to breakfast, make one time shot at noon and race, win, go to the casino, hang out, have a blast for your buddies. You know, I'm Luke, how many times have we done that? I guess I've lived my perfect day. I don't know how many times, right? <laughs> yeah, once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the time shot, too. That was It was good. Just let a time shot in there. Yeah. Just one. Yeah, Just absolutely. One. We don't need to get carried away. <laughs> no, and, and and really, I mean, if we've had if we've had numerous runs throughout the weekend, we don't need the one. But <laughs> yeah, I don't feel. I definitely don't feel like it. It, it benefits us. <laughs> what Big Nasty no. told me over the weekend that that blind run that separates the men from the boys. <laughs> yeah, oh, it it definitely does, and, and I mean, probably probably the biggest disadvantage of that race is if you don't get rolling there's so many cars and if you if you don't get on a roll and make runs like that winning the dragster race was absolutely key to the success the rest of the weekend it was just like you know joe gary doing well in the, in the shootout and and maddox as well doing well in the shootout you know that type of thing um they get more they get more runs than anybody else so they have a little more information and the hardest thing about any race you get no shots at is the guys that did you know so mm-hmm. Yeah, make a, make a couple shots, get five get five runs, make some money, but then you go into the next day with a bunch more information. It, it's uh, it's definitely beneficial. Well, and you you're part of a team that's developing products that that helps you keep that consistency day in and day out. Uh, so you know, I know you heavily invested, man. Appreciate uh, as a racer, appreciate all you guys do at FTI, Greg, and, and you and all your crew that you bring. You guys, Troy, y'all work hard at the racetrack. I mean, you're having fun and winning races, but anybody that slides by the FTI trailer is seeing a lot of work going. Oh, yeah, man, no, no question. And that just goes back to what I told you that company's founded on is customer service. I mean, Greg, is a he, he's a competitor, period, um, whether it's fishing, hunting, no matter what. The guy's going to win or he's not going to do it. And just the way he approaches this business as well. I mean, he's going to win or we're not going to do it. And so if that means the, the, we went out to test Mickey Thompson tires uh, early in the year and they ran 18 different converters between my car and, and Britt Cummings's car, you know, I mean, hmm. as well as running tires, you know, it's uh, the dedication, the, the R and D and, you know, his background, I mean, he was a very successful racer, back at the B&M days and whenever, yep. you know, back when he did it, I mean, he's chose, he shows a little different path. Now he does a lot of fishing, a lot of hunting. And, and believe me, I've always been involved promoting my, my sponsors, whether it be Steve Smith or, or, you know, Mullis race cars or Phantom race cars at the time, who, who's ever I had, I've always tried very hard to promote my sponsors and, and it gets to feel like a job at the racetrack. But believe me, whenever you have as much product as we have out there and as, many people's cars as we do and and something as critical as a transmission where if there's any hiccup you know it's over um it's a job and i really think that's why you know greg doesn't come and actually race more but his passion's still there you know i mean he still wants to develop the best products out there and provide the best customer service we possibly can by all accounts you guys are accomplishing the mission (laughs) (laughs) well we we certainly try i mean if we're if we don't do it, it isn't from lack of effort. Good stuff, Troy. Man, we appreciate you taking half an hour or so out of your day to join us here on the podcast. 
Uh, congratulations again on everything in the last two weeks, specifically the, the IHRA World Championship. I know that one meant a lot to you. And, uh, good catching up with you, and we'll see you in a couple weeks in Montgomery. Absolutely, man. Can't wait to see you guys there. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Troy. Congrats on a great, uh, great week, man. All right. Thanks a lot, Jay. You're, are you going to be in Montgomery? I'll be there. All right. Calling some action. Be calling some more of your great runs. I hope so. I know Big Red will be in the stage, Lance. (laughs) See you soon, bud. I'll be (laughs) parked right by you. (laughs) All right, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you guys again. All right, I want to talk for just a second about the latest racing RVs coach that I'm rolling with. Coming to you live from Grand Junction, Colorado, on my way to Noble, Oklahoma. If you would like to see this coach, if you're going to be in Noble this weekend, be sure to stop by and see me. It is a 2003 30-foot Renegade Superslide. It's a twin screw built on a Freightliner FL112 chassis with a C12 410 horsepower motor. This thing has five separate sleeping areas that can sleep up to 10 people. Fully loaded. It's got a 12K Onan diesel generator, which is surprisingly quiet. It's got a nice electric awning, propane water heater, big freshwater tank, 200 gallons, 30,000 pound hitch, new leather sofas, new TVs front and back. Nice coach, 250,000 miles on the truck. Asking price for this, again, 2003 30-foot Renegade Superslide, $99,900. Again, if you are interested in this particular coach and you are going to be at Noble, Oklahoma this weekend or Reynolds, Georgia next weekend, come by and see me, check it out, get a tour. If you are not going to be at those races or are interested in a coach and maybe not this one in particular, check out the full selection on RacingRVs.com. In addition to Racing RVs, this week's podcast is presented in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. How can This Is Bracket Racing Elite help you become a better racer? For one, we have experienced instructors, myself included, for you to model. Now, I've made just about every mistake possible in my 20 years of racing, but the good news is, You can learn from my mistakes rather than doing it the hard way and making them on your own, trial and error. Modeling can significantly accelerate the learning process. Number two, we provide within This Is Bracket Racing Elite the appropriate trainings, drills, and exercises to enhance your game. Now, you've got to do the work, but we provide the tools. And number three, best of all, the group provides accountability. We don't just suggest what to do. The group members will motivate and challenge you to follow through. Elite is its own check and balance. Some of our elite members have enjoyed incredible success recently. John Long Jr. just wrapped up his IHRA season with a top 10 finish in stock eliminator in a 2001 Camaro that is a pure stock car. For those of you not familiar with pure stock, it's basically a street car. Todd Piper just won his second NHRA Division 5 Super Pro Championship at the Division 5 Bracket Finals. And TIBR elite member Tyler Wudarczyk almost ran the table in St. Louis last weekend, got the win in Stock Eliminator, in addition to a runner-up in Superstock. So congrats to those guys. And I'm telling you right now, if you want to reach and expand your potential on the racetrack, This Is Bracket Racing Elite can help. Check us out at thisisbracketracing.com. I want to say thanks to Troy Williams Jr., our big interview of the day, and uh, really great sitting down chatting with him for a little bit about an awesome season that he's had. And but Luke, we want to talk about some other results now. We want to move over to some NHRA results where they had the national at St. Louis. 
Yeah, top dragster saw our buddy Wild Willie. Danny Nelson get the win over Mikey C, Mike Coughlin. A couple of guys going six O's at 230 plus, which is basically what it took just to qualify at St. Louis. Did you see that bump, Jed? I did not. I heard, uh, I actually saw a post where uh, somebody had posted it was the fastest field in top dragster history, but I did not look at any of it. Eight. Just to get in the show. Oh, my. And what's Luke. even more impressive about that is there was only 34 cars on the grounds. Oh, it was 34 bad ones, wasn't it? Well, it was 32 bad ones for sure. Well, what didn't get in? I mean, how I fast I think it's 640, those? and one guy was way off pace at like 670. <laughs> my goodness. Yes, absolutely. Ooh. Impressive. Out of hand is what I was going to say, but impressive is probably a better word. Top sportsman saw Rich Smith get the win over Tom Schmidt. Super comp. Can we claim a podcast bump here? It's only been six months since we had him on the show. Uh, absolutely. Tommy that, Phillips. That never ends. Tommy Phillips showing everybody that he can just kind of take a year off and come back and still be the baddest dude in the world. Three weeks ago, I was at Dallas, watched Tommy win a divisional event in Super Comp. He was bragging to me about how good his car is. Looked like it was pretty good. Looked like the driver was pretty good. Backed that up with a national event win in St. Louis, knocking off Ryan Harum, who was wheeling the uh, Britt Cummings Mosier Mobile. So, uh, good final there. Yeah. Super Gas saw Dwight Neust, the pig farmer, over Randy Ship. Super Stock was Slate Cummings. I told you guys about Slate winning at Dallas and how fun he made it look. I don't know if he made Super Stock a spectator sport at uh, St. Louis, the way he made Stock a spectator sport at Dallas. But I guarantee he made it fun. And he was triple zero in the final, dead nine, to knock off Tyler Wadarzik in Tyler's bid for a double. I believe Super Stock was actually the first class contested. Tyler made a pretty nice lap. He's 21, under a thou or two. No good besides Slate's ninth out package, but then Tyler came back around minutes later to win the stock title, driving Gary Stinnett's pristine first-generation Camaro to a win in stock eliminator over Matt Lund. Yeah, Tyler Rodarczyk was trying to do something really special there, but Slate with a with a perfect leave and a dead nine, that's a, that's a tough lap to handle in any class. Tyler didn't need no shame there in coming up short to that. Well, Darzik definitely had a wonderful weekend. Without question. We'll move from there, Jed, to the race that you and I were at last weekend. Let's talk a little bit about Fall Fling Bristol. Yeah, Luke, obviously, I think anybody that follows big money bracket racing was uh, tuned in, whether it be the whole week or part of it, but uh, everybody got to see what was playing out there in Bristol, which was perfect weather. A very well-attended event and uh, just another amazingly well-run show by Kyle and Peter and Emily and all the spring fling or, excuse me, fall fling staff and Bristol staff. It was a a heck of a great time. Uh, I wasn't there for Tuesday's start, but Tuesday started with a test and tune and a dragster shootout where the finalists get to race the winner picks between a race tech and American. And the runner-up has to settle for one of the finest chassis in the world and the, the, the one the runner didn't pick. So both guys get a, a chassis from Racetech and or American. And uh, Troy Williams Jr., uh, obviously, stalked Troy, and um, this was the start of a great week for him. He uh, got the win over Shane Maddox. Troy chose the Racetech chassis, 
and uh, Shane got the American chassis. So a great start to the week for both of those guys, which uh, we'll hear a little bit later that great week continued for them. <laughs> yeah, without question. Wednesday's 15 grander. The This race was, was finishing up while you and I were staring at each other. In the sweet tower, recording last week's podcast, it was Chris Stein, uh, Indiana racer, Huffer, knocking off Cody McDaniel of Kentucky. Action continued Thursday in the 20-grander. And keep in mind, this was, the car count grew a little bit each day. I think it maxed out at 380. Is that accurate? 390. It was, it was 323 Wednesday, 383 Thursday, 390 Friday, and 375 Saturday. You and I talked a little bit about this off air as we look through the the results from the week here, Jed. It's pretty amazing when you sit down and think about not only the the size of the field that was at Bristol, but the quality of the field that was at Bristol. Yeah. Like you had literally three hundred and ninety of the baddest dudes and ladies in the country. And when you look through the results, there's what, four names that just kinda are on repeat? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, some guys showed out and that you, you you guys are going to hear over and over, but it really is nothing short of amazing to me, Luke, that, you know, you, one guy sometimes can run amok on a, on a weekend, just things going his way. But, I mean, you got four guys here that just seem to win just about everything. No no offense to the guys that did win the, the races they didn't, but started out right there Thursday with the 20 grander. And Joe Gary getting a win over Nasty Nick Hastings, by the way, just a guy that continues to show out on the big stage. I mean, he's done it all year long, all over the country. And Nasty Nick come up a little short with a red bulb there. But Joe Gary uh, started what was going to end up being a great week for him with a 20 grand win uh, on Thursday's program. Yeah, and that just continued. Obviously, as you said, Nick's been incredible all season in a variety of cars and a variety of classes that tracks all over the country. But over the last, what, month? I don't know if anybody's been hotter than Joe Gary. Yeah, Joe has been extremely hot. He won our dragster race at Memphis. I know we won a day of, I believe it was the IHRA bracket finals. Comes into Bristol, wins the Thursday 20, and as we'll get to in a minute was in the final of another 20 a couple of days later. So JoJo putting on a show. Yes, he was. And after that 20 grander, Luke, uh, they had the Beyondo Racing Products Thursday $10,000 door car shootout where they randomly draw 32 guys out of the door car field and give them an opportunity to pay the entry and race for 10 grand. So they filled that field up, obviously. And the last guy standing was the house mouse. Jeremy York, which I know you've been very complimentary of many times to me in private. Probably said it on the show quite a few times, but I had the right he, pick at the wrong fling. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. You did pick him at the spring. I forgot about that. <laughs> Jeremy, extremely talented racer, uh, driving the, the family S10 pickup. I uh, got a win over another guy that, that is very quiet, but shows out on the big stage on a regular occasion. That's Big Benny Domino part of the Domino family from New Media Dragway. Yeah, that was Thursday night, Friday's 50 grander. Again, we talked about, we talked to him about it. The aforementioned Troy Williams Jr. got the $50,000 win. No stranger to big checks, no stranger to big winter circles. Big day, big week in general for T-Dub. But that final round win was pretty anticlimactic, but it was over Jeremy York. Jeremy, after winning that $10,000 32 car door car shootout on Thursday night. If I'm not mistaken, I think Jeremy had two cars in, was it down to nine in the 50? 
No, had one. Had the round oh. prior, I think he had two wins. He yeah, had he had one at nine. Win. Yeah. I believe they had the dragster down to 17. Took the S10 again to the semifinals. And uh, I'd actually left and gone to dinner, Jed. But if I'm not mistaken, Jeremy got the win on Bug McCarty's red light. And on that run in the semis, hurt the motor in the S10, correct? Yeah, uh, Jeremy actually said it felt a little lazy in the burnout. And he went on, took it to the starting line in hopes of either whatever was wrong clearing up or obviously his opponent going red. Bug did leave, I think, a thou red, if I remember correctly, leaving the win in Jeremy's lane. And when he left the line, he said it was just real bad lazy. And at the far end, it would not turn over. It was locked up, Mm. which took all the suspense out of it as Troy made his buy run, then come back around to make a single for the 50K payday. And now I won't get into numbers, but I will share a little bit of good karma. Jeremy had to buy at nine. Now, there was probably some motive here that obviously he knew he wasn't going to be eligible for a buy any longer. But we were all standing around getting paired up in the back of the lanes. And Jeremy said, guys, why don't we set the purse all the way through? every position from here on out i got the buy obviously i could wait around and hope that happens next round but as the buy car i'd like to initiate it and he set the purse all the way through uh, winner runner up the whole deal which ended up being very favorable for him troy would have done you know something to help out i'm sure but it was already set and so jeremy's good karma come back around for him ended up in a good payday no doubt, and that is the right way to handle that. So kudos to those guys. Action finished up Saturday after a long week, but again, a beautiful weather week and a great time at Bristol with two very familiar names in the $20,000 final Saturday night. That was Shane Maddox, this time behind the wheel of his door car, getting the win over a red lighting Joe Gary. And no, we didn't just replay the tape from the earlier week results. It was <laughs> guys once again. So... A big week, great race at Bristol, but obviously the names Troy Williams Jr., Jeremy York, Joe Gary, Shane Maddox stood out above the rest. JoJo actually took home the Todd's Extreme MVP award, but I don't think yeah. you could argue that would have went to any of those four guys. No, all of them uh, definitely were eligible, and it was a really tough decision because everybody had similar results. But I think Joe, when he did not win, still had a very good showing which propelled him to the top spot in everybody's mind. So uh, it was really cool for him to get that $1,000 as well, plus that beautiful helmet from Todd's Extreme. And really cool deal they do with the MVP thing at the at the fling events. And Joe was very deserving and just uh, an amazing week. Wrapped up Saturday evening, Luke, and uh, it was a, another blast of an event at uh, any fling event. No question. Did... We teased this a little bit earlier. We got a little unfinished business here. If those listeners that have been with us for a long time know that way back in February, like the week before the Winter Nationals, we had a little draft. We each picked three potential world champions in each of the NHRA sportsman categories. That was completely out of the blue. Nobody had scored a point in 2017 to that point. Come, I think it was June, Kevin McKenna came on with us. Helped us redraft. Now that we had half a season's information, we booted a few people off of our respective teams, picked up a few new ones. Now, looking back, a lot of those picks weren't the greatest, but that's with with knowledge that we didn't have then. 
one thing the, the the what I say unfinished business here, Jed, we never did determine and before we get into this and figuring out who's who's looking good, because uh, I honestly haven't looked at it, you may be kicking my butt. But uh, we, we never did establish a, a wager for this contest here. And I don't have any good ideas. Do, do, do you have any good ideas? I don't have any good ideas, but I will go back to that previous statement that I might be kicking your butt. Whatever. Dude, you got the top three in top, top sports. Top sports looks good for me. I do know that. Anytime uh, you got top three in a category, you're going to be looking really good. You know you're wearing me out here, and whatever we wager, and you're going to win. So just make it light on me, dude. I mean, well, I, I don't. I'm not super creative in this way, so I'm going to lean on our listeners. Listeners, get involved, Mark. Put a, put us a post up on the on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. What should this wager be? I mean, should this be a like if I lose, I got to wear a Alabama football jersey to the Sprinkling million next year, you know something, something fun along those lines, something clean, but uh, yes. but we're but we're looking for some good ideas here. So put that challenge out to our uh, to our listeners. Now the way that we structured this contest, Jed, we said that we didn't care about who finished in the top ten, we didn't care about who finished fifth or second, we just care about world championships. So that's right. With that in mind, our rosters as of our June redraft. My super stock roster was Justin Lamb, who, by the way, was one that I picked up back in February, along with Kent Hanley and Nick Morris. Your crew, Cooter, who was one of your original picks from February, David Rampey, Kevin Helms. At that time, it looked like a battle between Rampey and then eventually Jody Lang, who neither of us picked. Right now, it's not over. It looks like it might be over. Justin Lamb looks really strong, like yeah. 693 points, and is yeah. subject to improve from there. It's not mathematically over by any means, but it would take a monumental run by one of those other contestants. Again, I think with a mathematical shot, I think that Helms has been mathematically eliminated from Superstock contention. Jody might have a shot there. Rampy might have a shot. I think Aaron Stanfield probably has the best quote-unquote shot, but even that would take running the table. I'm looking pretty good there, so I, I'm cautiously optimistic. Just chalk that one up, Team Luke. Yeah, Justin, <laughs> he went grape nuts on the field, man. He just he just been on a tear lately and does look very, very good. So while I'm uh, very happy for Justin Lamb, you know, as a, as a friend of mine, I'm upset that you're obviously starting out really strong in category number one. Stock Eliminator, my original picks from season's beginning, Cooter, and defending national champion Jeff Strickland. In June at the redraft, I, I think I had the top pick in stock and took the obvious choice, Kevin Helms, who looked like he's been running away with this thing since May. Your picks from the beginning, Adam Davis, the two you picked up in June, Jerry Emmons, Terry Nagel. This one's not over, but I actually think Helms looks better now than he did recently, with the exception of Justin Lamb's making a run and trying to trying to hold up two of these trophies here in in what a month from now, six weeks from now. He's got the best shot to knock off Helms. He wasn't a pick for either of us. So if Justin was to pull that off, no one would score a point there. Your best shot I would say is still Jerry Emmons. Jerry's still got four races on his ledger. He's only hundred and five points behind, so that's doable. But obviously, you got to go win some races. I assume I will see Jerry and Noble this weekend. I would assume I'll see Jerry and Reynolds next weekend. 
And if he's still got a shot, I would assume that that Lucas Oil team will be headed west for the Divisional and National event in Vegas. So stock eliminator far from over. I would probably say Helms is the favorite, but there's a lot of racing left to do there. So I could see me getting the point. I could see Jerry Emmons coming through for you. I could see Lamb messing it all up where nobody gets a score there. Do your thing, Jerry Emmons. I mean, they they tried to take it from us early <laughs> in the season, bro. But, I mean, it's time. It's time to get redemption on the field. Helms does look really good, and, and Kevin's a great guy. So wouldn't be any shame in seeing him win other than that would make you win, which I'm not a fan of. So I want to see Jerry do well. Fair enough. Super Comp, your team, Austin Williams, Sherman Adcock, and those were your original picks. And then in June, you got to pick up the obvious, yeah. Jr. As it sits now, my chances of winning this are none, maybe. I have to look mathematically. I know that Gary Stennett is now mathematically ineligible. He can't catch Little John. He ran his last race in St. Louis. He had to make the final to surpass Labuse. He did not. So the best that Gary can do is finish second. I had KB on my squad. KB might have enough races that if he ran the table, he could get there, but it would take like four wins. And I'm not even sure that that's a possibility. And I had Jacob Elrod, who I think is now mathematically out of the picture. So I can't win. You have Labuse, leader in the clubhouse. You have Austin Williams, who has the best chance to catch John. And I have me, because the best that I can do, I've got like whole new motivation now. Like it would be enough normally to go try to win the world championship. But if I could surpass little John, you would not get a point here. That's right. You would accomplish two things at once. That's right. Which, that's right. You know what? I'm pulling for, brother. <laughs> the way I that hope, this deal shakes hope you down, get it done. just to give an update, Austin and I are in very similar boats at this point, and we both have two events left. I have two division races. He has one divisional, one national. I believe that we will both get those in in the next two weekends. We'll both be at Noble. He will go to Dallas for the national. I will go to Reynolds, Georgia for the division two closer. And basically, Austin is improving at a division race. I believe he's still improving a second round loss. So he could pass John with a semifinal finish this weekend or a final round finish at Dallas, I have to make the final at one of the two races, either Noble or Reynolds, to surpass LaBoose. So I'd say that we're both kind of long shots. And there's other scenarios there, too. Like, I, I know if Austin were to make, like, fourth round and fifth round, maybe, something like that, fifth round at both races, somewhere in that range, he would pass him. So that's up in the air, but if you were laying odds... I certainly like your chances of getting the point between Austin and Little John. And if I were to get a handicap the field, I would say that Labuse is still the favorite just because of what Austin or I would have to do and the pressure that goes along with doing it kind of on command. But it'll be interesting without question. Yeah, definitely be interesting. But uh, again, in all seriousness, hopefully you uh, just wreck that whole thing with your with your own entry. Maybe that'll get done for you. Hashtag off my rocker tour. <laughs> Grand I love, Junction, Colorado. I'm obviously pretty you serious are, about it. Right? You are off your rocker, man. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it'll pay off. <laughs> I feel good about my super stock. I, I have a pretty good chance of getting the point in stock with Helms, but I'd say you've got the, the nod in super comp. So let's just say that that plays out and we're two to one. Super gas. I got Big Mike, Mike Sawyer. I got John LaBeouf Jr., which was the obvious pick at midseason. I got Tim Nicholson. Jed, you've got the fuzz, Steve Furr, Rusty Cook, Ray Ray. 
the race right now looks to be a two-way, maybe a three-way race. I, I don't want to take Ray Ray out of this for you. He's got a shot. He's got a lot of races left. He's going to have to travel the country. He's going to have to nearly run the table. What everybody's watching right now is Labuse, Team Luke, and Chris Cannon, who is one that we overlooked in June because he was hot at that point. He got hotter. I know we've covered it here on the show. He's got, I believe, four divisional wins this season, all in Division Six. He runnered up the national event at Sonoma. He sits just 50-some-odd points behind Labuse, and his next national event counts full. It's a full claim. So I know that Chris Cannon has entered in Dallas. I assume that he's also going to Las Vegas and Pomona. In theory, all he's got to do, quote, unquote, all he's got to do is win round three at one of those events, any of those national events. He could also get there by, I think he'd about have to win his last division. He's improving like a fourth round loss. A lot of opportunities to get there, but it's one thing to look at it on paper. It's another thing to do it on the racetrack. And as we mentioned earlier, Ray Ray back there lurking. All of our picks are in the top 10. The only ones that really have a shot to get there be Labouche, Cannon, who again, neither one of us picked, and Ray Ray if he just ran the table. So Yeah, and I talked to Ray Ray at Memphis and told him I really needed him. And uh, he, he acted, he alluded to the, the, that he, the fact he's going to try i mean he really seems to still going to be chasing it and and make the the ride around if he felt like he had a chance and so hopefully he does (laughs) well i expect to see him at noble this week that's a race that although it's not really anywhere near their hometown in bristol it's a race that he makes pretty frequently so i expect to see him there and then the division two races in his backyard so the possibilities there and it would not chuck anybody if he got red hot no not at all top sportsman we've covered I'm looking pretty strong there. You win. Yeah, yeah. Okay. White flag waving. Enough said. Top dragster. I don't know that either one of us are going to get a point here. I'm pretty certain that I'm not. Uh, my picks were KB, J.R. Loebner, Nick Willard. Nick's put up a heck of a score, but hadn't been to any national events. And unless he's got a ride on the West Coast, not going to make any. Your picks, Steve Furr, Jeff Strickland, Mike Coughlin. Mikey C is the one out of the six that we combined to pick here that's got a shot. I don't know exactly what he's got to do. It's going to have to be pretty impressive from here out. The battle looks to be between Lynn Ellison, J.B. Strasswag, Paul Nero, who I believe is currently leading if neither of those guys pass him. going to be a fight to the finish and is wide open, but it doesn't look like it's going to benefit either of us. No, probably not. Um, you know, Hopefully, Mikey C. can pull it out. He does have a mathematical chance, so maybe it'll work out. But uh, I did pick him up in the redraft middle of the season in hopes that I would have a chance and I've got a chance. So that's all I can ask for Luke. Big Jed rooting for the yellow and black. <laughs> but I think that puts me um, in a pretty rough spot really. Yeah, in the you know, total the, score. Now that we go through this, it's, it's not looking that good for you. <laughs> well, thank you, Captain Obvious. But, uh, so, I, uh, so uh, listeners, come on, give me a good, uh, give me a good wager here. This is, this yeah, is I can only hope that, I can only hope the listeners have some mercy on me and and <laughs> wager something that, you know, doesn't embarrass me too bad. But I'm up for whatever. Jed's always a good sport. Keep it clean. Keep it fun. All 
not. That will wrap up episode 46. Big Jed, thank you to our sponsors. This is Bracket Racing Elite, Siebert Performance Racing RVs. Thanks to our guest, TWJ, the one and only, Troy Williams Jr. As always, thanks to PJ North. Thanks to our assistant, Mark Romeo, for his help. If you've got ideas for the show, you can message us on Facebook. We are at the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. You can contact Mark directly. Again, that's Mark Romeo via Facebook or via email. We are doing our best, despite kind of crazy schedules from both Chad and myself, at least here recently. We're doing our best to bring you the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast every week of the calendar year. Got some exciting guests lined up in the future, so be sure to subscribe and keep up with us every single week. Absolutely, guys. As Luke said, wherever you find your podcasts, go find the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. It's easy to look up. Once you start typing the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, it filters in and gives you our show because we're the only Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast currently that I know of. You'll find us at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you find us. Go to those sites or any others and subscribe. We're the best, Jed. We can leave out the fact that we're the the only. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really good point, Luke. We are currently number one on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast chart. (laughs) Subscribe, 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 guys. If you hit subscribe, when you look us up, find us, it tells you just as soon as we release a show, you get the red number on the purple app on your smart device, and you are ready to listen before everybody else, especially your friends. But don't forget to tell your friends. Make sure that uh, you're sharing the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast, and we get everybody's not podcast people, but this is not some podcast where people are rambling about irrelevant material or personal agendas oh, we're talking about stuff you love on this podcast well we're rambling but it's not irrelevant <laughs> okay, okay. Or, or personal agendas it's uh, a <laughs> it's relevant material to the things we love sportsman drag racing so why wouldn't somebody want to listen to this instead of the negativity that you're hearing on the radio or the news so tell your friends get involved in sportsman drag racing podcast they'll love it if they don't love it the first time Make them listen until they do and get your track involved. You know, we've got some tracks out there playing the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast in their downtime, and we're giving them huge shout outs, which is doubling or tripling their attendance. So get your track involved. That might not be fact, by the way. Get your track involved and make sure that you let us know when your track's involved in playing the podcast, and we'll give them a shout out right here on the show. Guys, join our Facebook community. We're the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast right there on Facebook. Easy to find. Touch base with us there. You can message us. You can make a post right on our page or find us on Twitter. If you're a a racer or a person that likes to tweet, then we're right there. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. And Big Jed here is at JP11X. We'd love to hear from you. We love the interaction. So be sure to look us up and reach out and touch us on Facebook or Twitter. Thanks for listening, everybody. Y'all have a good week. Luke, safe travels. Good luck, bud, and everybody else have a great week. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom bobbing for a 10. I'm rolling in the cutty switch and be like Jerry Pennington. I was in my truck. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. 
Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.